Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. Thank you for coming as we gather around the Word of God. You know, I, I, we can't all, all the people that are listening right now, we can't gather together in a centrally located building or place uh, simply because we're not close together. This broadcast here on our website is going into all the world, anywhere, anyone uh, connected to the World Wide Web as you are and I am today. Amen. But we can gather together around the Word of God and keep this great, great proclamation from the Word of God, this commandment from the Word of God. Forsake not the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is, but much more as you see the day approaching. Friend of mine, we are not children of the darkness that that day would overtake us as a thief. We're children of the light. Hallelujah. We've been enlightened by the revelation of the Word of God and and by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, bringing the Word of God to life and to light in our life today. Amen. So uh, we are glad that you're gathering with us around the Word of God today. Having said that, uh, I say Maranatha just about every time we open a Bible study or our broadcast, either one here. Man, I want you to know today uh, something about this watchword for the believer. It should become more prominent among Christians than ever before, for I believe the coming of the Lord is very, very near. So that's the title of our message today. Maranatha. Amen. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 22, where it says, If any man love not the Lord, let him be anathema Maranatha. Strange that these two words would be connected because anathema means the greatest consternation or judgment of God against sin and sinners. And Maranatha is even so come. Amen. We're asking God to come for us. But when he comes for us, he's going to come back with us and he's going to judge the world. And and friend of mine, I want to be on the right side. I want to be on the Maranatha side of this thing. How about you today? Amen. Listen to what this says. This this in Revelation, just turn quickly to Revelation 22 verse 7, 12, and 20. Listen to it carefully because it's talking about the manner of Christ coming. And he says in verse 7, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. In verse 12 of Revelation 22, Jesus says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. And verse 20, He that testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, and here's the meaning of Maranatha, here at the end of the book, come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha in the Aramaic, which was spoken at the time of the writing of the New Testament, literally says, come, Lord 
Jesus. Hallelujah. Come, Lord. You see, we as Christians are supposed to be looking for Jesus' soon return. We should be a Maranatha people every single day. The great preacher F.B. Meyer once asked D.L. Moody, What is the secret of your success? Moody replied, For many years, I've never given an address without the consciousness that the Lord may come before I have finished. This may well explain the intensity of his service and the zeal of his ministry for Jesus Christ. One of the most encouraging teachings in the Bible is that of the Lord's return to the earth. Three times in Revelation 22, this promise is repeated. As God was about to close the pages of divine revelation, He called the attention to this great theme, announcing in the words of Christ Himself, Surely I am coming quickly. Now listen, coming quickly doesn't mean he's going to come in that generation. It's been over 2,000 years since he said that. This is not the, the timing of his coming. This is what's going to happen when he comes. He's coming quickly. In fact, the Bible speaks of it as we're going to be changed when he comes in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. As the lightning shines from the east to the west in that flash of, of electrical created light. <laughs> Amen. Jesus is going to come. Praise God. There won't be time to get ready, dear friend. The Bible tells us to be ye also ready. For in an hour you think not the Son of Man cometh. So this word Maranatha is a Christian watchword. It's to stimulate holy anticipation concerning Christ's soon coming. And it's to help us focus on that fact, to literally travel light, not get too uh, rooted and grounded in this temporal body, in this temporal world. (laughs) Not to get caught up in the world. To live in a state of readiness for His soon return. Hallelujah. The world, those outside the kingdom of God, uh, literally are, are constantly and completely blinded and indifferent to the certainty of Christ's coming and the tribulation that will follow. Listen, with such forceful, as someone has put it, assurance... Closing the canon of Scripture, we can have this hope continually in our hearts. The expectation of seeing our Savior being like Him and being with Him for eternity should prompt you and I, as it did D.O. Moody, to serve the Lord with zeal and with everything we are and everything we have. The world absolutely mocks this message, and many Christians have forgot the import of it. Carl Sagan, the astronomer from Cornell University, put the second coming of Christ in the same category, and this is his own words, as the cow that jumped over the moon. We understand that he had simply ruled out the meaningfulness of all religious language. It's not scientific, and so it cannot be real. 
Jesus warns us to not get caught up with this world so that we are caught unprepared for His coming. Why? Because when He comes, He's coming quickly. Hallelujah. Luke 21, 34 through 35. This is a warning. This is a beware message to you and me today. Jesus says, And take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unaware. For as a snare it shall come upon all the the whole earth, all the inhabitants of the earth. You see, friend, the earthbound Christian is more concerned about the return on their investment than the return of the Lord. And I'm going to make a statement here, and it, it will it will probably be misunderstood and misquoted. I'm going to try to make it clear that we should be involved in the political process. We've sat back too long and let the and and just you know cloistered ourselves in the walls of our churches and not got out and voted and not spoke up and used freedom of speech and freedom of expression like we should. We did not necessarily write our Congress and our representatives to let them know what our feelings are. And we should be more involved in that system. But here's a statement I want to make, and I want to say it clearly. In our present political climate, many Christians are more concerned about defeating the Democrats than the devil. We ought to be concerned about defeating the Democrats. But we should be more concerned about defeating the devil. More, more enthusiastic, more passionate about the return of Trump than of Jesus Christ. As if a man in political office, and I want a conservative in political office, don't misunderstand me today. But I see people passionate about their politics, Christians, and dispassionate about revival in America, dispassionate about the soon return of Jesus, and being about our Father's business and praying the Lord of the harvest that He would send laborers into the field, for the harvest is indeed plenteous, but the laborers are few. The only reason that we're not seeing more souls come to Jesus is that people are distracted from the harvest fields and from the the revival that is needed to get 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 Christians motivated to be soul winners for Jesus instead of just political activists. Listen to me carefully today. We should be involved in the political process, but not more passionate about it than about the work of the Lord and his soon return. A God-sent Holy Ghost revival in America is the only hope to truly make America great again. If we give up on revival, all we have is politicians. God, help us. If that is our only hope, listen to what, what Ray Stedman said. He said one of the great reasons the church is so confused in this day, one of the reasons the church says so little of true significance to the world, is that it has neglected and abandoned, by and large, the hope of the coming of the Lord. There are very few sermons preached on it, very little said about it. 
This is no time. There is no time given to a consideration of what this hope means and why it is set forth so frequently and clearly in scriptures. Great sections of the scriptures that deal with the hope of our Lord's return are simply ignored by many Christians and Christian leaders. A friend of mine, that's a sad but true statement. And that's why I'm ministering today on Maranatha. Hallelujah. Because the coming of Jesus Christ is a certain hope. It is going to occur. And when it occurs, it's going to happen in the moment and the twinkling of an eye. We won't have time to get ready to leave this world as we used to sing. We're going to have to be ready to leave this world. Listen to Second Peter 3 verses 2 through 9. It says that you might be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. We just read about that and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Listen to verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant of. This, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of the Lord the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of it, out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, verse 7, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment. See, anathema, maranatha. When Jesus comes, he's not just coming for us. He's also going to come to judge in the last day. Amen. And reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but long-suffering to usward, not willing that any perish, but that all should come to repentance." Oh, I'm so glad for the mercy of the Lord. God will not be goaded by scoffers into shutting the door of the ark. In His love and mercy, He still calls to repentance. God would not complete the Bible without one last invitation in the last verses of the last chapter of the last book. The call is given in Revelation chapter 22, and I just get Holy Ghost goose pimples when I read this verse of Scripture in light of God's last call, this last plea to come in the ark, to come in and be safe from the wrath to come. Revelation twenty-two seventeen, and the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Oh, friend of mine, God is calling today, and the church should be about the Father's business of saying to a lost and dying world, Come, 
Come, come, hallelujah, as Jesus put it so poignantly and perfectly when he said, Come unto me, you that labor and are heavy laden, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you will find rest for your soul. Praise God, hallelujah. Make no mistake about it. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. So listen to what John fourteen one through 3 says. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. This is that certain hope. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, highlighted, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. It is a certain hope. Jesus is coming soon. It's been a long time coming, dear friend, but it's coming. And our response should be, Maranatha, <laughs> even so come or come, Lord Jesus. First John 3, 2 and 3 says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. You see, this is a purifying hope as well. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Glory to God. You see, living in the light of his coming and our transformation Glory to God. It doesn't appear what we shall be, but when He comes, we're going to see Him as He is because we're going to be like Him. I like what Layman Strauss said. He said, Every Christian I've ever known who believed in the Lord's return and who gave serious thought to His coming also made a serious preparation for it. Praise God. Amen. This is a sanctifying effect of hope. And it should motivate the child of God to be as diligent in keeping himself or herself pure as the ermine who lives in the forest of northern Europe. This little animal is highly prized for its snow-white fur in winter. He instinctively protects his white coat against anything that would soil it. Fur hunters take advantage of this unusual trait of the ermine. They don't set a snare to catch him, but instead they find his home, usually in the cleft of a rock or in a hollow tree. They smear the entrance with grime. Then the hunters set the dogs loose to chase the ermine. The frightened animal naturally flees toward home, but refuses to enter because of the grime and grease on the entry. Rather than listen, rather than soil his white coat, he is trapped by the dogs and captured while preserving his purity. For the ermine, purity is more precious than life itself. And friend of mine, as Christians today, that's one of the lost parts of preparation for his coming is keeping ourself pure 
and ready. As Paul put it, that I may, that I may present you to Christ as a chaste virgin. Amen. Not, not as, not as, oh, I don't want to use these, these terms that are used for someone who is loose and, 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 well, the Bible, let me just use biblical terms. The Bible says if we are, are, are playing with the world, if we are, if we are not committed to follow Jesus Christ, if we have no concern about sanctification and personal purity, we are adulterers and adulteresses. Amen. For friendship with the world, according to the book of James, is enmity against God. To put it in the paraphrase and the plain language, he that makes himself the friend of the world makes himself simultaneously the enemy of God. This world is not going to embrace the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not going to embrace Jesus Christ. It's not going to embrace the Christian, nor should it, and nor should we expect it to. And we shouldn't be making concessions to the world. Amen. We should love people in the world, but not love the system that is blinding them and binding them. And if, if short of God's delivering power and lightning power, hallelujah, is going to damn their soul. So friend of mine today, it's time for the called out to come out. It's time for the Christian to quit playing church. It's time for every child of God to be counted. If you have the true hope of the coming of Jesus, then we should be like the ermine and say, I will not compromise my faith in God. I will not take the robe of righteousness that was purchased by the suffering and death and shed blood of Jesus and drag it in the mire of sin and drag it in the mire of compromise. Friend of mine, it's time for Christians to have this purifying hope developed in our life because we truly believe Jesus is coming quickly and he's coming soon. Glory be to God. Amen. The coming of Christ is not only a certain hope and it's not only a purifying hope, it is also a blessed hope. The Bible says in Titus 2, 11 through 14, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope, (laughs) the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. A peculiar people, peculiar in the sense of being cleansed and set apart, sanctified. Hallelujah. There's another term you don't hear much about today. Holiness, sanctification, purity. What happened to this desire? Amen. To, 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 to be pure, to be holy, to live a good, righteous life before God, not to earn salvation, but because of the gift 
of righteousness and because of the gift of eternal life and because of the gift of Christ to suffer in our place. It should stimulate us to want to not take this beautiful robe that he has imparted to us called righteousness, amen, and drag it in the, in the filth of this world. Friend of mine, this should be a purifying hope, and this should be a blessed hope today. And I believe every child of God is being called to a separateness, that peculiarity of saying grace isn't here, some kind of cloak and covering so I can sin without consequence. The grace of God that brings salvation, teaching us to deny ungodliness, not teaching us to sin and and say, well, you know, he can't see through, he can't see through the blood so I can do anything I want. That's not Christianity, biblical or otherwise. That is a heart that is set on sin. God has something to say about that. In 1 John, the scripture says, he that committeth that doesn't mean that one time or that, that trip and fall and that repentance and get up. Listen, he that committeth means live habitually in without conviction. Listen, he that committeth sin in that context is of the devil. Make no mistake about it. God doesn't mince words. If any man be in Christ, what is he? He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are come, become new. And the Bible said that we should be buried with him in baptism. It's what it's typical of, representative of, and raised with him to walk in the newness of life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, we used to sing it back when I first got saved so many decades ago. I'm in a new world since the Lord has saved me. Old things have passed away. All things are new today. I'm in a new world. We also used to sing, I looked at my hands and they looked new. I looked at my feet and they did too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. If any man be in Christ, he's not the old man made over. He's not the old man made better. He is a new creation. He has been spiritually born again. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and, and this, this soon coming of Jesus message today should take a hold of us and we should have a passion for purity. We should have a, a, a sense of the blessedness of this promise of God. Jesus is going to come before this world self-destructs. Then the, then the tribulation is coming and, and the, and, and the, the chaos and, and the death and the hopelessness and, and all of those plagues that are coming that have been, that have been growing, growing, growing sins that have been unpunished yet down through the centuries in a, in, in a, a seven year period, particularly the last three and a half of the tribulation, the seals are open, the trumpets are sounding, the bowls are poured out, angels are involved, and demons as well in punishing the inhabitants of the earth. Oh, friend, when it says anathema and then maranatha, 
I want to be on the Maranatha side of that. How about you? I want to be walking in the certain hope of his coming. And to them that look, <laughs> he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Are you looking for the Lord today to return? Are you living in the light of His soon coming? Are you passionate about souls today and seeing people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Are you about the Father's business? Are you distracted, amen, because of what's happening in the media and all of the other things? Is all of the passion of the church become political at the expense of the spiritual? Or can we get our passion back to get this work done? The Bible said to work while it is day. While we have the opportunity, it actually says to redeem the time because the days are evil, not to pull our head in uh, in fear and hopelessness and, and discouragement, but to work while it is day. For the night is coming when no man shall work. This is the day of extreme emergency, and this is the day of blessed opportunity to be about our Father's business. I feel that burning in my soul to to sound an alarm in God's holy mountain, to give a wake-up call to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might arise and shine. For indeed, our light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon us, and shall be seen upon us, according to Isaiah chapter 60. Today, when the scripture says, if any man love not the Lord, if, if we haven't come to Christ, we haven't been saved, and we love the world, and we want the darkness, and we keep choosing the darkness over the light, then he's under the curse of God and the judgment of God. Let him be, let him be anathema. Let him be cursed. Ah, but Maranatha, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Come, we anticipate your coming. We welcome your coming. We want to live in a state of readiness for your coming so that when you return, you will find faith and not compromise and not concessions to the devil or to the world. Hallelujah. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Friend of mine, today, if you don't know Christ, as your personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says of you that you're without God and you're without hope in this present world. But Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling you today. Uh, I'll never forget when I first met the Master. Church was over. Everybody was going home. I was with my dad, and we always got a milkshake. My great-grandmother gave us some money to get a milkshake. You could get one for 50 cents back then. Thought church was over, but it's a Pentecostal church. <laughs> over doesn't necessarily mean over. Because three women went forward, one sat down at the piano, they began to play. Come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home. Over, 
Life's ramparts He's waiting and watching, calling, O sinner, come home, come home. And that's why God wouldn't close the holy canon. He wouldn't close the Bible without a last call. Come, let the bride say come, let he that heareth say come, and whosoever will, let him come and drink from the river of life. Come to Christ today. God is calling you. Come to Jesus today. Don't run from Him deeper into darkness. Run to Him. (laughs) Run to Him. And He will gladly forgive your sin as you repent and confess it. God will pardon you. He'll give you white raiment. Hallelujah. Come to Christ in Jesus' name.